everyone. This is Mike Epstein, and welcome to Speaking of the Arts. The focus of today's episode is on the wide world of grants. We're going to talk about what types of grants are available, how to find them, and how to properly write and apply for them. Here to tell us all about grants is Don Roth. Don Roth is the Executive Director of the Robert and Marguerite Mondavi Center for the Performing Arts at UC Davis in Davis, California. Among Don's many initiatives and successful seasons of programming, he and his team received two Mellon Foundation grants of almost $1 million by which the Mondavi Center has expanded its artist residency programs, as well as its commitment to new and unusual works in the Visions series. Prior to UC Davis, Don arrived from the Aspen Music Festival in school, where he served as president from 2001 through 2006. In Aspen, Don oversaw a series of innovations in programming funded by a $1 million grant from the Wallace Foundation and initiated the National Symposium held in 2005, which was funded by the Mellon, Duke, and Dana Foundations. Prior to his tenure in Aspen, Don was president of the St. Louis Symphony from 1998 to 2001. Under Don's leadership, the symphony took significant strides towards financial stability including the receipt of the then-largest gift ever to a symphony orchestra, $40 million from the Jack Taylor family. The St. Louis Symphony Orchestra also received national recognition from the Knight, Mellon, and Ford Foundations. During the 1980s and 1990s, Don held leadership positions on the West Coast at the San Francisco Symphony as general manager and the Oregon Symphony as president. He initiated significant outreach and education programs in both San Francisco and Portland, receiving almost $2 million in National Endowment for the Arts Challenge Grant to underwrite these initiatives. Don, what a pleasure to have you on today. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, th- thanks a lot, Mike. And uh, I'm tired from all that traveling that you just described. <laughs> <laughs> it's very impressive. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to just start by saying I really have zero experience with grants, and I'd like to use our time here today to outline the basics for people who are listening um, who are interested in learning more. So I'm really going to sort of let you take the reins, and maybe to start, what, what are the different types of grants available for presenters and artists? Well, I mean, I think when we're, you know, we're talking about grants, uh, we're kind of differentiating uh, you know, that's really institutional giving, and we're differentiating from, you know, the the bulk of the fundraising that most of us do, which is uh, giving by individuals primarily, and, and in the in the U.S., well over 80% of all uh, of all giving, all fundraising is from individuals, and, and, you know, when we're dealing with individuals, we're dealing with individual human beings and and connecting with their passions, connecting with their interests. Uh, usually in a very direct and personal way. Uh, and then also, you know, there's corporate giving uh, that, that many of us deal with, which, you know, is another significant part of uh, of what we do. And, again, oftentimes that deals with a lot of, of local interests of the businesses. The, the, the business will come to you with essentially to a community with, with an agenda. And, and, and many times it's really for them – as much a marketing piece as it is a philanthropic piece. So when we're dealing with the world of, of grants, uh, dealing with institutions and primarily uh, foundations, uh, of which there are, are 
There are obviously significant national foundations and a number of whose names you mentioned in, uh, in discussing my background and then uh, in virtually every region and community there are our local foundations uh, as well or, or foundations that have interest in, in, in a major uh, region, whether it's the Pacific Northwest or uh, the, the, the western states west of the Rockies. So, so, and, 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 so in these cases, and of course then the other big source of grants in our world would be the National Endowment for the uh, Arts and in some cases the National Endowment for the Humanities, you know, governmental grants. And of course, again, uh, locally, in, you know, many states uh, uh, have active uh, active state arts councils, not so much as once was. Uh, and some of us are fortunate enough to then be in municipalities and, and other locations that have local uh, arts Council. So those would, you know, that's kind of the world grants, the foundation and governmental entities uh, that have identified uh, our field, the arts, uh, for giving. So that's, I mean, I, I think that would be the starting point of kind of defining the the area in 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 which we are. So I mean, I think the first thing, you know. Uh, and you know, I'm I'm kind of always thinking from the perspective of a small organization, because uh, I've had the opportunity to run small organizations and be on the board of small organizations. And you know, the, the very first thing, uh, particularly in, in well, in, in both the foundation and the government world, is is to to find out uh, what are the interests of that institution. Words. It's you know almost uh, in our world. Every, every one, every foundation's got a website. Uh, there's a foundation center and some of the directories it puts out. But you know, you're, you're, if in fact the foundation only gives to healthcare, uh, you wouldn't want to spend a lot of time on it. In our organization. So one of the very first things you know, one needs to do is to kind of research uh, which of the institutions. Uh, let's say in your region, in your location, uh, have opened themselves up to giving the arts, and uh, it may be for certain aspects of the arts. It might be for arts education or for arts uh, in the community. But I mean, you know, that's the very first natural step: doing your research and identifying a. Um, which institutions, uh, and this applies to the National Endowment of the Arts too, are you eligible? Are there programs for which you, uh, you, you know, you have programs and you have activities that would be a good match? Right. So let's just kind of recap because you said a lot of great information there. So in the most general sense, uh, it sounds like you can think of it in sort of two different ways. There's grants coming from individuals, making individual sort of gifts. Well, I don't want to use the word gifts because that's a different thing altogether, but individual grants as opposed to coming from institutional or organizations that are making the grants on their behalf. Is that correct? Well, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I, I, I would actually make the distinction as you started to do between, you know, individual donations, uh, individuals, who who aren't they're not an institution they don't have guidelines they don't have a constitution they don't have a 
you know, founding document. They they are uh, you've identified them probably because you see them at your performances or in your galleries, and 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 there that's that's a transaction. Then uh, that's a discussion between you and uh, individual persons who are interested in what you do, and that's that. Uh, so you know, I think most most of what you know when we're really looking at the, at the grant process, it shares some characteristics with getting individual gifts, but um, but overall it is that you know it, it, these are public institutions, uh, and they have a mandate that they described, um, and and they have a grant granting program which they described and which may change over time. And so that's really what you know. I'm talking about are grants from those kind of institutions. Individual fundraising is probably the uh, the topic for another podcast. <laughs> I see. Okay, so um, in the most general sense, then where would I go to find out more about what's actually available? Obviously, I could search online. Are there are there any key sort of websites that you would recommend? Yeah, you know, there's uh, there certainly is the Foundation Center, um, and that's uh, and, and uh, you know they've been around for a long time, and you know they used to be mostly about printed directories, but now you know there are opportunities um, there, and you know, frankly, I think most you know a lot of times the research is going to be uh, uh, is going to be looking at other similar organizations. So if you have an organization in Sacramento or in Syracuse or in Portland, Oregon, uh, you know, it, it you you'll probably know just by looking at the uh, programs and websites of your counterparts who's around that's giving to the arts. I mean, frankly, it's a very simple way to research, you know, who's giving to the Sacramento Philharmonic and uh, and uh, and and to the uh, Crocker Museum because those those that'd be certainly a starting point to see though these are foundations that clearly have an interest in in the arts you know it's much easier today because with google uh you know you can you know we we've all got a search engine um and uh, you know and then also i think it's it's a matter of talking to your colleagues a lot of places you know colleagues in the field uh, get together with some regularity and and share uh, who the prospects are for that kind of giving. Right, right. And it's not actually that uh, different in a sense in terms of an agent trying to figure out, well, where am I going to book an artist? You had mentioned you should spend right. time researching where these, who's actually giving to which institutions. It's sort of the same idea. Um, exactly. Being where artists are playing. So I can kind of see a relationship there. Um, what would you say are some of the more if, I don't know if this is an easy question to answer, but what are what are sort of the common components that goes into a, a typical grant? Well, I mean, I think that uh, you're going to have you know you you know fundamentally two things. I mean, they're they're going to be looking normally. There's a, there's a project narrative. You know, there's a there's normally a project narrative. Uh, a lot of times, you know, uh, you know, there's a word limit. So that there's a good reason to have thought clearly and be succinct. You know, usually there's an organizational history. Sometimes, you know, as with the NEA, you know, you have to have been around for a certain number of years. You have to have had a, you have a certain size budget. You know, there, you know, there, there may be those sorts of things. 
And then there'll be um, a budget uh, and usually a form for that budget, mostly operating budgets, not so often balance sheets. And um, and many, uh, many uh, or, uh, institutions certainly put a focus on uh, seeing an organization that's had balanced budgets, uh, you know, with some, with some history. And if not, uh, at least a, a, a clear, you should give an opportunity to have some clear notes on any circumstances that may have contributed to red ink. You know, in general, you know, uh, those kind of institutions don't want to invest uh, in somebody's deficit. So, so you know, that's but again, there are different different attitudes, different locations. But you'll have a narrative, a history, uh, a sense of you know they may want your board list, um, etc. Great. So that so that was sort of my next question then, and you, I think you just answered it. But in a general sense, what what do these review committees actually look for when they're reviewing the applications? And is that kind of what you would say you just described? Well, no, I mean, I think that, you know, that's the application. But, if you know, if I were to back up, I would say where institutional, where going after institutional grants is more like your ongoing fundraising. You know, characteristics that it shares with individual, with individual fundraising, you know, with the kind of stuff that we're all doing day to day, is that it's still, I still am a big believer that it's a person-to-person uh, that it starts with a person-to-person uh, contact. So that if I found that there's a foundation in my area, you know, and one of my research sources may be my daily newspaper, and it says, oh, the community foundation's starting a new program for the arts. Say, That's great. And I mean, they hadn't had one before. Uh, what The first thing I would try to do once I read more about it would be to at least get on the phone and, if possible, in person with the program officer there to chat with them about what they're looking for, to get to know them. Uh, some, uh, oftentimes it's an opportunity to say, here are some of the things we're focused on here over in my organization, the Mandavi Center or the, you know, the Boise Symphony or whatever it might be. And they might say, oh, you know what, that would be really interesting. You know, they might find in your saying, talking about four or five things, well, you know, that would really be interesting to us. You might want to explore that further. So a lot of times, uh, because these grant processes are formal with deadlines and applications and documentation, a lot of times I think people make the mistake of thinking, well, if I just write the best darn grant ever, um, it'll get funded without doing what they would, you know, they wouldn't just send a cold call letter to an individual that they were asking for $10,000. They would get to know them, and they would see them personally. And I think the same thing is true of foundations and even the NEA, that these, you know, they're they're going to make a relatively objective decisions. They're going to have committees involved, but they can really help you see whether or not uh, you have a program that really would mesh with their interests, something between the lines. So I think that that is a very um, that's a very crucial step to take if at all possible. And if you're dealing with an national group, or maybe you don't have the money to go see them, at least to get on the phone, 
to express your interest, to ask questions, to find out more, to kind of explore. Do you think that this program of mine would, um, you know, be of interest? So I'll just add one more thing to that in relation to what I just said is that uh, the the other thing that uh, I think is a mistake that that we all have made at different times is is to try to try to put a square peg in a round hole. If you really don't have a program that fits what they're looking for, don't try to fake it. You know, don't waste their time and and yours. So, uh, because you know, it, that's again the value of. Uh, speaking to the, the program officers and getting a sense of, you know, what what they're really interested in and whether whether you have anything that fits. That is really great advice because I would imagine it's going to save you so much time up front if having those basic conversations sort of gives you a, gives them and you a sense of, like you said, is this actually something we can apply for or it doesn't right. really apply to us. So, yeah, that's probably I would I mean again. Not having actually ever written a grant, <laughs> I would imagine <laughs> um, I might not even think of that if I were to start this and, you know, start finding out what's online and then just, you know, filling out applications. You're right. That, you're kind of shooting in the dark then, so I'm really glad you pointed that out. How, In your experience, how much sort of lead time would you say someone needs to prepare for, this, for the whole process? So, in other words, from the time they start this initial conversation to the application, to the review, and then hopefully to procurement, what sort of the lead time people are looking at? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, it, it, the best is as much as you can. I mean, you know, all of us uh, who've, you know, been in school know that, you know, there, there are those of us who leave our, uh, you know, our papers, our homework till the, till the last minute, and, uh, but you know, from my perspective, if, you know, I, I would for a major grant, I would like to have a month between the time I start and the time it's due, just so there's a, a chance to review it. And again, a lot of times, uh, the um, a lot of times the, the foundations or, or the NEA will take an interim call from you. You know, if you're writing, if you're doing a draft. Uh, and and you you're not sure if it's on the right track, you know you can call and ask questions. And if you leave things in the last minute, obviously you don't have much time. Then um, you know that, that that you don't have that opportunity. So it's nice to be able not just have those first conversations, but to have some interim conversations uh, that say, well, you know, I've been working on this, and I'm just wondering about this section, or I'm not exactly sure what you meant by that question, or can we include X or Y in this? Um, so I, I think I think that's very important. Right. Sounds like you should definitely be taking advantage of whoever's on the receiving end of the application. So um, just to sort of summarize what you said, it sounds like on average you really want to give yourself roughly a month yeah. to yeah, to kind of do this right. Um, so let's kind of look at the other end of the spectrum then. So let's assume I've applied for the grant and, you know, we, we got it. Um, in that case, what, what should people be aware of in terms of actually managing the funds from the grant? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, ideally, you're going to be able to uh, 
deliver, you know, what, what you, um, you know, what you said you, you're going to deliver, uh, which I'll, I'll kind of take a digression on that. And then, you know, one of the things I think is very, very important is to not, not make up a, you know, not make up a new program because it fits your guidelines of, of uh, grant guidelines, unless it's something that you really wanted to do. You know, if there's something you really wanted to do, you didn't have the funds for it, and a grant and a foundation or the NEA gives you the opportunity to do it, that's great. But don't say, well, they're only giving programs, uh, they're only giving funds this year to programs that happen on the third Thursday of October, and nobody goes out on Thursday in our community, but we better apply for it anyway. So, I mean, you just, so that's, you know, part of being able to deliver on this is that there's an organizational commitment to do what you, you uh, to do what it is you said you're going to do in, in, in the grant. And it's either something that you're already working on, uh, and, you know, and lots of organizations do not force you to come up with a new program. They're willing to support something that's ongoing. Uh, but, you know, you, you just want to make sure you didn't just, ma- you know, make a program that we, you, you made a round peg for a round hole, but that round peg is not something you really wanted to do. So, you know, that's kind of just, to me, paramount advice in all of this. It's just better to pass on a fund, fund rate, uh, on a grant opportunity if it's not suiting to you. Suited to you. But then, you know, almost all... Um, once you're in the process, almost all the uh, foundations and certainly the NEA require final uh, final reports, or you know, it's multi-year. Sometimes they require interim reports. So make sure you're documenting what you're doing, you know, and, and, and not just documenting. Obviously, could be written, but it also could be photographs, videos. You know, make sure that those foundation activities. That have funded the grant activities have been funded. That uh, there may be newspaper or uh, blogs or other other publicity. So you know, keep a good solid track of of all of of this because almost all grant makers are looking for impact. So make sure you're able to demonstrate the impact. And the other thing I would say is. Don't hide failures. Uh, if parts of what you know, a lot of, a lot of grants are kind of R and D. You know, they're helping you try stuff out. Um, and if stuff doesn't work, or if it doesn't work the way you tried it at first, I think candor is is very much valued by the people on the other side of the uh, of the granting process. Yeah, I love what you just said. Document the impact. That's really great. Um, so what, what should I be asking you about the process that I haven't already? <laughs> well, so, so here's the, so here, yeah, here's the one thing that I thought about, uh, saying about this, that it's always been my experience and, and, and frankly, with some of these, uh, larger, uh, grants that I was fortunate enough to, uh, be part of, and I'm thinking about, the. Uh, Touring program that the NEA funded for us at the Oregon Symphony, and and uh, and, and and some um, 
really interesting uh, work we did with out-of-the-box uh, concerts that the Knight Foundation funded and, and some of the things we've done more recently on expanding classical music audiences and having edgy programs that, with Mellon. That what I always think about, I, I, I want, you know, I think a lot of people think of grant writing like maybe program note writing, you know, in classical music where it's got to sound really fancy if it's any good. You know, it's got to, we've got to use a lot of technical terms and, and, you know, and I always think of that if I can tell a good story about what I imagine happening when, uh, you know, if we were to receive this funding, what is it going to look like? And I'm always aware of the fact that very, very smart people are going to be reading this, but they're probably not smart people who live in my community who know my organization that well. In some cases they may, but in many cases not. So I really want my narrative to tell a compelling story in a very clear and straightforward way so that if a stranger reads it, uh, they would say, oh, I get it. Now I see what that's going to look like. I can remember writing this uh, Magic of Music grant for these concerts we were doing with Murray Sidlin and in Oregon, and, you know, I started by just describing what an evening might look like and all the different co- kind of off-the-beat components that one would experience from the per- from the perspective of of the person attending. You know, that's a little bit, that, that that's maybe an exaggerated example, but it's storytelling, it's, and, and it's clarity, uh, you know, I'm always trying to say, can somebody see a picture of what we're talking about in their head? Can they imagine what this is going to look like for the constituents? Uh, and and is it compelling? And it, you know, and so there. When I say storytelling, I'm not making you know, it's not in, not making stuff up as much as uh, steering away from a lot of technical verbiage into uh, the clarity of the actions that. Uh, and the results and the impacts that uh, this, the, the grant maker will experience if they provide those funds. Yeah, I'm really glad you described that. That's some, that's great advice. Um, maybe let's look at sort of uh, your your upcoming season here. Are there any examples of uh, grant-funded concerts that you guys are producing? Oh, ab- absolutely. Well, there's the uh, the, the Vision series, which is uh, well, it's not actually a series, but uh, the Vision's concerts that, uh, uh, or even better word is events that are funded in part by the Mellon Foundation. Um, and, and you know, when I said the Vision series, that was actually, you know, one of the things we originally had proposed to try out with with uh, Mellon Foundation was to do a series of kind of edgier, not necessarily contemporary, but just different formatted uh, experimental uh, approaches to a classical music presentation. So one of the things we, we told them about early on that we that didn't work is it just didn't work as a series because it was like each event we were doing was very different. So we um, So now we just do, we have a kind of a label of visions that we, uh, that we apply to those events that fit. So one of my favorite ones that uh, we have coming up is actually going to be a free event 
close to the beginning of our season in, in which the string quartet Ethel um, will be with us. And they they have commissioned a series of new pieces to accompany the photos that were taken by the EPA when it was founded, when the, when the Environmental Agency Protection Agency was founded, I think in the 70s. I, I should know the date. But um, they did a series of photographs. They commissioned photographers all over the country to take pictures of the state of the environment to kind of capture it at that moment in time. And so there's a suite of, of new pieces that Ethel's put together to accompany the screening of these photos. And uh, the, the new Shrem Art Museum, which is being built across the street from us, has a projection, an outdoor projection screen. So we're going to have the, this Visions concert uh, with with Ethel uh, performing the music called Documerica with the, with the um, photographs being projected back. It's going to be an outdoor event. It's going to be in the evening. And that's the kind of thing that Bellin has made possible for us. Uh, uh, and, uh, and, you know, it's, 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 it's exactly what we're looking for because it is classical, you know, quote-unquote classical music, new classical music. But because it's free, because it's connected to the visual arts, because it's on our college campus, we expect there to be it, it to be very accessible to an audience that might not usually attend it. Well, that's great. That's a really good example too of how you know you can creatively use these funds. It's really it's exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So, so we're very appreciative to to you know the Mellon Foundation for you know, for having having the faith in us that we could, uh, you know, that, that we could put together programs that w- would have the impact of both supporting, uh, you know, new work and at the same time using that new work to attract a, uh, you know, a younger, uh, a younger audience, a diverse audience and an audience that's not necessarily coming to classical music every day. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I think this has been a really good in- introduction sort of to the, the world of grant writing. I mean, I've, uh, it's hard to believe we've been speaking for a little over 30 minutes now, but I've you've really outlined some of the basic components of where to go to find them and then some really good strategies for actually writing them. Um, and hopefully getting them. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and hopefully actually getting them. <laughs> yeah, well... Don, I can't thank you enough for your time. This has been really great, and um, oh no, I'm I'm so happy we were able to do this today. Well, thanks, Mike. I appreciate your your doing this, and and I hope uh, that uh, the information was was of value to the people who will listen to it. Absolutely, I have no doubt it will be. Great, thank you. Thanks a lot, Don. <laughs>